with each failed relationship, whether it's a marriage or um, a friendship or a, a workplace relationship, every failed relationship is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to self-reflect. It's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to get better. And it's an opportunity to learn more about who you are as a person, what's your why, and what will you tolerate and what won't you tolerate. Um, and then, and then when you're looking for a mate, if you've identified what your core values are and what you can tolerate and what you can't and who you are as a person, you look for a person who will support that and complement that. And that doesn't mean that, that your mate has to be just like you. I mean, my gosh, if the world was, you know, everybody was the same, that would be really boring. Right. So, so they can be somebody different, but as long as those core values are there, those core beliefs, um, and each person coming together as a strong individual, knowing who they are as people, individual people. If you, t- I, I firmly believe that if you take two strong individuals who are self-assured and self-aware, and you put them together. That's a great recipe for a successful relationship, friendship, marriage, whatever. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos. Today, I've got divorce attorney, AJ Grossman on. And you hear divorce attorney, you probably think, oh, man, what a shark. AJ's probably a shark. He's just so sweet and compassionate and knowledgeable about the human experience. And we talk about how divorce is, is, a, is a byproduct of the humans within a marriage. And we talk a lot about personal development. We talk about kids and divorce and societal pressures and, and cheating and being right and wrong and trauma and communication and stale marriages and codependency and self-worth and looking to the external for validation and, and marriage versus partnership and having the standards for a mate. And we talk about identity in marriage and distractions in marriages and, and getting married later in life to, to, Work on yourself first and and so much more. And it's a long episode, so I want to make this intro short. And we just have so much fun talking about probably like 50 different topics when it comes to marriage and how the system is kind of broken and there are things that we can do to make sure our marriages are the best they can be by making sure that we're the best men that we can be. And if you want help on that, you know where to go right here. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's really awesome. I, we had so much fun it really a lot of fun on this episode. Um, so look, before we get started, make sure you check out our new website at menonpurpose.net. There you will find our free giveaways. You'll find information on our amazing masterminds that are helping hundreds of people evolve who they are and find their authentic self and find true fulfillment and find their purpose and live that regret-free life. We've got information on our mental purpose retreats that are coming up this fall and our mental purpose community. If you haven't joined that yet, please go to Facebook, type in the mental purpose community, sign up. It's awesome. You'll get our free giveaway there too called the purpose driven formula. It's a mini coaching course, an ebook that'll help you along your journey or help your journey get started. It's freaking fantastic. Look, I'm so appreciative of all of you being here. I hope you enjoy this episode and Maybe one day you could be on this podcast too, or co-hosting or something. Just think about it. All right. Enjoy.
All right. Uh, you know what? I didn't even ask you what you want to be called. You have a lot of titles, so I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to just call you AJ. <laughs> hey, oh no, it's it's real simple. Please call me AJ. Okay. All right, AJ. <laughs> Let's get rolling here, man. Divorce is a good thing. And I, I want to talk about that. Unless we're going to talk about why divorce could be a bad thing too. And that's usually the humans in divorce. Divorce isn't bad. The humans in a divorce situation are probably the bad thing or the non-serving thing. But first, let's just talk about how did you get to this place where, like, where you're doing all this and you have an entire screen full of 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 titles behind your name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll preface all this with it's been an incredible journey yeah. and I don't regret anything because everything that's happened has brought me here to today. Okay. So, all right. So, I've always been a, a problem solver. As as far back as I can remember, um, I was always trying to solve problems. And uh, I was born in the late 60s and, and started working with computers when they were in their infancy. And I really enjoyed getting in and, and solving problems. Um, and then I, I went got into college and I was a, a business administration major. Uh, with a marketing concentration, and I was required to have a minor uh, course of study, and that was in communications. And so when I was getting ready to graduate from college, I thought, oh, gosh, so what do I do now? Well, I'm thinking about law school, but let me go out and do some informational interviews. So I interviewed a, a bunch of people in the business community, and I think at that point in time, I really wanted to get into branding and advertising, something very creative. And everybody I met with said the same thing. Well, you're going to have to go to a really good graduate school and then put in the years and maybe then you'll get to work in branding and advertising. And I said, nope, not think, I don't think I'm ready to do that. So I'm going to get out and work. So right out of college, I started working for uh, an insurance company, a well-known insurance company selling life insurance. Boy, did I learn a lot about myself doing that job. Oh, I was just <laughs> so miserable. Every morning was just a chore to get out of bed. So I did that for a while, um, still trying to help people solve life problems with, with life insurance. And then I, I got out of that and I fell into uh, information technology work. And so I was solving computer problems for other people. And I was uh, training life insurance agents on how to use their software. And I was helping uh, support their, their technology in their office. And, and I enjoyed it. And that IT career lasted for about 12 or 13 years. And I got to a point um, where I thought, you know, there's got to be something more. The problems I'm solving, I need them to be bigger. I need them to be bigger than computer problems. Um, something, something that's going to make a big difference in the world other than my computer won't turn on. What do I do? Yeah. And so the company I was working for at the time filed for bankruptcy. And I thought, oh, okay, well, what am I going to do now? Kind of burn out on IT. I think I'm going to finally pursue my lifelong dream of wanting to go to law school. My mom had gone to law school in the 70s. My dad had gone to law school right after her. She practiced. My dad didn't practice. So I, I kind of grew up in a, a lawyer household, if you will. And it was something I, I was always interested in. So I thought, you know what? This is the universe handing me an opportunity. It's an opportunity to change my life, make it better, and go to law school. So that's what I did. So I drove from Northern California out to Central Florida to go to law school and uh, was there full time for three years or so. And, and the funny thing was, I remember it was orientation day 
And the professor who was um, going around the room having us introduce ourselves said, okay, introduce yourself, tell us your name, and tell us what kind of law you want to practice. So I said my name, and I said, I don't know what kind of law I want to practice, but I know what I don't want to do. I don't want to do divorce work. Absolutely not. I've seen my mom do it. I've, seen the, I've heard the phone calls on the weekends. I've heard the stories about spouses um, throwing uh, clothes out the front door. I just don't want to deal with it. <laughs> well, it turns out she was the family law professor for the school, and she said, well, maybe after three years we can change your mind. So isn't life funny? That's exactly what happened. Yeah. So I took a family law course. I worked in the, the family law clinic there at the law school, helping people from a, a lower socioeconomic status get, get divorced. And I really found my niche. I felt like I fit, like I had something unique to offer that was connecting with people and people saw the value in what I had to offer. So we get close to graduation. I had met my wife along the way and we kind of looked at each other and said, well, we're graduating with thousands of other lawyers. What are we going to do to separate ourselves from everybody else? So a good a good friend of ours and a professor said, well, why don't you go on for more school and another degree? And we said, are you crazy? We just spent three years full time in law school. Why, why should we get another degree? She said, hear me out. She said, get what's called a master of laws, an LLM in dispute resolution. She said, most lawyers get it in tax, but get yours in dispute resolution. So we said, okay, who should we talk to? So she gave us a name. We talked to the guy. He says, okay. There are five universities you want to consider. And he, he gave us the name. And we said, well, what's it, which, which one's at the top of the list? Which one's number one? And he said, well, it's Pepperdine University out in Malibu, California. So we said, okay, we're going to apply to that school. We're going to apply as a couple. They take both of us or they don't get either one of us. So that's <laughs> what we did. We, we filled out our applications. And wouldn't you know it, they took both of us. That's so cool. So we went out. Yeah, yeah. So we went out to Malibu, got to live in Malibu for, for 10 months or so. Uh, got a got another degree, so that's the LLM after my name and dispute resolution. And then we left California, drove back across the country to Florida, studied for the Florida bar, took the Florida bar, and then kind of looked at each other again. Well, now what do we do? So we said, well, what do we know how to do? Well, we both know how to do family law because we worked in the clinic together. Okay, let's open up a family law practice. So that's what we did. We ran that together for about four and a half years. And then she kind of waved the proverbial white flag and said, I don't think I want to do divorce work anymore. And I, I don't think I want to be a lawyer anymore. I'd rather do something different. Wow. And I said, okay, well, I fully support you in whatever you want to do. I, I, I really don't want to run this practice by myself because we've worked together in this practice and built it together. And I, I just can't see myself running it without you. So I'll go join somebody else. So that's what I did. So I went to work for a, um, a I would say a medium-sized, well-established divorce firm in downtown Orlando. And I was there for about five years, needed a change, went to another firm, realized very quickly it wasn't going to be a good fit. So that's when the pandemic hit. And I was working from home in 2020 most of the time. And I thought, you know what? I think it's time that I start my own practice again. So I started putting the wheels in motion, ideas for a brand and a logo and a name and how I wanted to do things differently. And so I launched Leapfrog Divorce in 2021. And so the whole, my whole why, if you will, is I want to make the world a better place by changing families for the better 
one child at a time and one couple at a time. So that's my why. That's why I do what I do today. That's so cool. I love that. That's a great story too. You're out my, you came out my way. I live near Malibu. Ah, yeah. Love it down there. It's so cool. Except, you know, honestly, it is, it is cold on some summer nights, like really cold. And I don't like, oh, yeah. I want, I'm, I'm <laughs> into the East coast and the heat of the East coast at night where it's like 95 and it's 10 o'clock and you're still sweating. So, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, what's, what's interesting about that is, um, I love, I love how you were thinking, how are we going to separate ourselves and just kind of, it just kind of sounds like you went with the flow of things. And I just want to point that out. You're just flowing with things. You weren't, were, were you like hell bent on something or obsessing on something? Were you just like, you know what? That sounds good. Let's go. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always been a, a relatively free spirit. Um, and so I was, I was going with the flow. I was taking in information. I was considering it, paying attention to my feelings, how I felt about certain things, uh, my emotions. And I was really going with the flow and it really felt, it felt like the right thing to do. So no, I wasn't, I wasn't hell bent on anything. Sure. So I want to start with a, a question that I've always wondered, and I don't think I've ever had anybody who's a divorce attorney on here. And so this is, this is special. And, um, and, and, and then after that, you could take it anywhere you want. I'd love to talk about, you know, how to do this, how to do the right way, how to, when kids are in the way or when kids are in the mix, but first and foremost, and this is prevalent for people that are listening, who hate their jobs or who are stuck in a career and whose marriages are now suffering, by the way, are all catalysts, right? They're all catalysts. Right. And they're overweight, out of shape, and their entire life, like all of the stuff that we do at Men on Purpose is five pillars, self, spouse, kids, career, community. Well, when you, when you have picked the trajectory that society picked for you or mom and dad picked for you, you are probably miserable in all four, and the last one being community is not getting the best you either, right? So dominoes just right. fall from the self on down. So the right. thing that I think about when I, when I think about the mass amount of divorces that I've seen in friends and, and, and like family members and stuff like that is that, is that people settle. I watched in college how many people grabbed somebody before the end of senior year <laughs> and then got divorced like three or four years later. And I, and I think about it in terms of their like attention that's paid to them. Right. So where they go, okay, from about high school to like baby, it's, you know, people start asking you at parties, well, where are you going to college or what are you studying in high school? Then where are you going to college? Then when college starts to get, starts to give a little, and you're like third, fourth year in, Hey, where are you going to work? What are you majoring in? And then it's after you graduate college and you're working, you're bored again, no attention on you. And you go, I'm getting married. And now you get to tell everybody, Hey, what's new? I'm getting married. And then marriage, you get married and it wears off and then you have nothing to do and nobody's paying attention to you. And you go, I know we're having a baby. Now we're important and relevant again. And then the baby comes and the baby wears off and you go, Hey, I'm having another baby. Meanwhile, those two people for the last, let's just call it 10 years, let's probably more 15 years did not work on themselves. They sought right. the exterior to make themselves relevant and important and matter. And now one day, one of them comes and says, I don't love you anymore. I want out. 
And yep. think about that cycle. And I, I just want the audience to hear, I, I don't know, these are the things I think about when I, cause I coach a lot of people that are in those positions and, and I've, I just look at that and I go, what could be done up front in a college age kid or even, you know, post-college to change the trajectory so that this person knows themselves more authentically and then they go after a mate that isn't filling a void for them, but is actually a, a proper mate for them and a proper marriage material person. So I don't know where you want to take that. I just wanted to talk. I want to talk to you about that. And I also want to mm -hmm. talk to you about choosing a mate because I think so many people settle because the mate fills a void that they're not willing to deal with inside of them. So yeah, wherever wow. you want to go, it's up to you. <laughs> Okay, so I can I can talk from from personal experience, my own life journey, as well as um, what I've seen in in my professional experience. And so I think that the idea or the concept of marriage and family is outdated. It seems to me that there is still this idea of almost like a, a nuclear family type of idea or a 1950s idea of of what marriage is, and I think, I know for myself, I got married the first time too young. And I think that a lot of people get married too young. They haven't spent enough time, like you said, really learning about themselves and, and experiencing life, reflecting on their experiences and starting to really get a, a solid or more solid sense of who am I in this world? Who am I in my community? What's my why? And one of the things I, I focus on with my practice is core values. And I think people need to focus on that as individuals. What are my core values? What is so important to me that I will never give up, no matter whom I meet, no matter whom I, I, I'm attracted to? If they don't match my core values, it's not going to be a good match. And so I know for myself that it was, it was the school of life, failed relationships, a failed marriage, starts, stops, different careers, working with different people that taught me to see who I, I am as a person. What things do I like? What things do don't I like? What things will I tolerate? What things will I not tolerate? What, what interpersonal communications with my coworkers went really well and which ones didn't? Which ones ended up in failed relationships and what was my contribution to that? What do I need to learn to get better so that my next relationship, whether it's in the workplace or personal, can be better? That's a mistake I think a lot of people make is they, uh, some people will, will, want to put the blame on the other person and say, well, it was their fault. They didn't change. I really needed them to change and they didn't change. They didn't meet me halfway or whatever, whatever language you want to put around that. And so they don't recognize their own contribution to failed relationships. Um, and so they don't recognize that they have work to do. They have more things to learn. Rather, they, they go to the next relationship and they carry those, those problems with them. Um, one that I talk a lot about with my clients is communication. Communication is huge. It's probably in the top three reasons why marriages fail. 
And I think that you had mentioned, what can we be doing in our, our colleges? I actually think we could be doing something in our elementary schools, hmm. teaching young people how to communicate more effectively and not just how to put a how to put a good sentence together with a subject and a verb no it's it's how, how do you effectively communicate with another person especially when you're in conflict with that person right emotions are running high you've got a problem between the two of you what can you do well there are plenty of resources out there. There's plenty of knowledgeable people to help young people understand how to communicate better. And so I think that we could start there with some, some early age um, education about interpersonal communication. And you know, then, then we can take a look at parents. You know, we're all unique. None of us had the exact same parents, right? So I like to talk about these these glasses that we we view the world through. We we all have a perspective that's colored by those glasses, and those the lenses of those glasses were formed by our life experiences, our education, our ups, our downs, our triumphs, our challenges, everything. And so none of us sees the world exactly the same way. So one of the things I, I talk to my clients about is tell me about your communication. How do you and your wife or you and your husband, whatever the situation may be, how do you communicate? Nine times out of 10, it's two people like stubborn mules. Mm -hmm. They get their position, they dig in, and they defend. And there's a really simple trick. All they need to do is approach a conversation wanting to learn. I am more interested Curious. in what the other person has to say than what I have to say to defend myself or my actions. That, that is huge. So um, what else can I talk about? Um, I think that, that with, with each failed relationship, whether it's a marriage or um, a friendship or a, a workplace relationship, every failed relationship is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to self-reflect it's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to get better. And it's an opportunity to learn more about who you are as a person, what's your why, and what will you tolerate, and what won't you tolerate. Um, and, then, and then when you're looking for a mate, if you've identified what your core values are and what you can tolerate and what you can't, and who you are as a person, you look for a person who will support that and complement that. And that doesn't mean that, that your mate has to be just like you. I mean, my gosh, if the world was, you know, everybody was the same, that would be really boring, right? Yeah. So, so they can be somebody different, but as long as those core values are there, those core beliefs, um, and each person coming together as a strong individual, knowing who they are as people, individual people. If you, t I, I firmly believe that if you take two strong individuals who are self-assured and self-aware and you put them together, that's a great recipe for a successful relationship, friendship, marriage, whatever. 
What's up, guys? I'm so sorry to interrupt the episode. I just need one minute to share with you all the new and exciting, amazing stuff we've got created here at Men on Purpose. First of all, thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting the movement we're creating for all the men of the world. Next, you've got to check out our new website, menonpurpose.net, where you'll find all kinds of cool stuff, including links to our podcast and the free Men on Purpose community. You're also going to find our new free purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook and links to all of our new coaching programs and products. Look, I've had so many of you ask me where to get started with your personal growth journey or where you can go to level up. So I put this thing together, this free ebook and mini course, and we're going to be talking about and coaching you through a really light version of our purpose-driven formula, which is our foundational formula. And for those of you who are ready now, we got you. Listen up, whether it's becoming the best husband, being the best dad, quitting that job that doesn't serve you, or just understanding how to put you first, we've got what you need to align with your authentic self and find that true fulfillment and live a life with no regrets. Look, we're helping men with structure, support, and sustainability. That's what you've asked for, and that's what we deliver. As we lead you through proven and tested curriculum that focuses on formulas to help you get farther faster. So make sure you go to menonpurpose.net, Click the button to download our free, powerful, purpose-driven formula mini course and ebook. And while you're there, make sure you check out some of our amazing products designed to help you find your purpose, stop self-sabotage, and dial in your mindset, skills, and habits to evolve into the best version of you. Why? Because we want you to live and have the best life possible. No regrets. So, mentalpurpose.net, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, so there, there's so many places we can go with that. I, I, I have so many things rolling around in my head. It's... What, what I think about is when, when you talk about people battling, it's like, I think about the result of things, right? I think about divorce being the result of improper communication, settling, um, uh, you know, solving your challenges through somebody else or having someone else fill a void inside of you. Divorce, cheating. We, by the way, would you agree with that? I, I, I had a a conversation with somebody like probably 15 years ago about um, cheating being the result of something. And I want to get your opinion on that because I know there's probably people listening to this who either been cheated on in a marriage or cheated on somebody in a marriage and, and it's, and it's ended in divorce yet does cheating or let's say, you know, gambling or what does that have to end in divorce because isn't or aren't those challenges the result of something else not happening that shows up in a cheat or a, you know, someone spent all the money in the bank account or someone, whatever. Talk, talk about the catalyst to different things, which then ends in divorce, which is probably three or four dominoes down, right? Right, right. Yeah. So no, cheating, um, gambling issues, uh, addiction issues do not have to end in divorce. Um, the, Depending upon a person's perspective and outlook on life, they can view it either as an opportunity or they can view it as from more of a more of a victim type of perspective. Oh, this has happened to me. This is terrible. I need to get rid of it and get out. Yeah. Or from the more positive opportunity pers- perspective, something is going on with this person that I'm in love with. And I need to help them figure out what it is. And whether that could be just sitting with them and talking with them if they'll talk yeah. or if they seem paralyzed, asking them, how can I help you? It seems like, seems like you're having difficulty making progress. 
how can I help you? But that's a compassionate person that you have to have skills to do that. You have to, have to want to do that. Yes, absolutely. And isn't it, I, so I'm going to, this may be controversial. I don't know. Please I'm just going to say, bring it on. <laughs> isn't it easier to simply say, this is just bad. I'm out. I'm done. I'm going to go yeah. find greener patches somewhere else. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you that. Isn't that, are, are, are there people in your experience that are constantly seeking their out and the moment they see a, a, a light in the, in the, in the wall, They'll punch through that wall so damn quick and they'll pretend right and put blame on to make themselves feel better. But meanwhile, if they were courageous, they would have before this, you know, cheating or addiction or something came up as the result of a marriage, a partnership, a, a relationship, you know, a, a, a union not being symbiotic or copacetic or whatever you want to call it. That person had the courage. They would have stepped up and said, hey, I, um, I, I want out. I got to get out of here, you know, and, and yeah. And then people are just, well, probably the other person's blindsided, but don't you find that? Yeah. So you bring up an interesting point and it, it reminds me of, of, um, something I'm a firm believer in. And that is even if you, if you're, if you, if you're conflict avoidant, so you don't, when 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 a when a conflict arises uh, in in some relationship, you avoid it, you back away, you get out, um, what have you. Even for those types of people, I think if if we all leaned into conflict, the world would be would be better. More relationships could be salvaged. I just think that not enough people. Number one, are willing to be as vulnerable as maybe they need to be. And number two, not willing to take the uncomfortable position of leaning into the conflict and trying to get at the underlying reasons as to why this is happening from yeah. a compassionate point of view. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we talked earlier, everybody's different. Some, some people that's just too uncomfortable for them and they'd rather, you know, cut ties and, and go separate ways. And if that works for them, okay. You know, it's their life. They have to live it. Um, I, I'm not going to tell anybody how they should live their life. Um, but, but I do, I do think, you know, after, gosh, 12 years, that's the only type of law I practice is, is divorce law, um, working with, with hundreds, if not thousands of clients. They're just not leaning in. They're, they're yeah. not leaning in and, and, and trying to figure out what, what's really going on here. I see the surface stuff, right? Sure. I, I see the drinking. I see the drugs. I see the gambling. I see the cheating but what is, what is underlying all that? And, and you had mentioned, you know, catalyst, yeah. you know, are, are those types of things always catalysts for a divorce or are they, are they always, is the result always divorce? And, and I would take even two steps backwards and say, what is the gambling a symptom of, or what is it a result yeah, of, or what, what, what is the, yeah, what is the addiction a result of? And it could go back to, to early childhood drama, uh, trauma, you know, we, a lot of people are talking today a, a lot about ACE scores, right? Um, and adverse childhood experiences. And 
the people we are today are in some part influenced by those early childhood experiences. So it could it could go back to, my gosh, something that happened when somebody was four, five, six, seven. Um, you just don't know. And if you don't ask, if you're not willing to ask, if you're not willing to, to go into that uncomfortable arena of conflict, you'll never know. Yeah. And it's interesting. I was, I was just writing down when you were, before you said it, I, I was thinking about, and I had a conversation with somebody who was like a relationship expert, probably uh, maybe like two years ago, um, about get your shit together first before you come into a relationship. Because most of the time, probably the vast majority of the time, people are bringing their traumas, childhood traumas, mom and dad stuff, the school stuff, societal pressures, race and cultural stuff right into that relationship and, and bouncing off. And, and what's interesting, uh, do you know Eckhart Tolle's work by chance? Oh yeah. Okay. I do. So Eckhart Tolle calls it the pain body and you're attracted mm -hmm. to pain bodies. And so most people in these relationships they are in a relationship. Dane Cook in 2004, dating myself, puts it, he calls it relationship because they're literally just existing in this thing to do some utilitarian things together and be a date for each other at a concert or go on this vacation. They're not alone. But really, the depth of the relationship is, is total trash. And it's because there's so much trauma that came in that they're either battling all the time or that they're completely avoiding even communicating with each other. And, and would you agree that, that people's responsibility, because a relationship is a responsible thing, you should deal with your stuff? And by the way, I didn't. I just learned that you probably should before you get married. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a um, culprit. And what I learned is I probably should have looked at myself a little bit more before I jumped into a relationship and then all of that started bleeding out inside the relationship. What are your thoughts on that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So absolutely. I, I was talking earlier about um, the idea of marriage today uh, being outdated, kind of a 1950s concept. Yeah. And, and I think that, that people should be getting married later in life. I totally agree. That, that implicates for some people, you know, the ability to have children because depending upon how long you wait, that opportunity might not be available later in life. But I, I think I think that it's so important to learn about yourself, learn about your baggage, understand your trauma, and and resolve it as much as possible, whatever that looks like, before you get into a relationship. Because you're you're absolutely right. All those things are going to come out at some point in time. And it's going to cause conflict. But if you're able to resolve those things before you get into a relationship with somebody else, come in as a self-aware, self-assured, strong individual, yeah. you're less likely to look to your partner, your mate, you said it, to fill that void. Yeah. Or to to give you something that you didn't have when you were a child, you know, maybe be a mother or be a father that you never had. Instead of looking outward, look inward. There, there's a great quote. Um, I, I can't remember who said it. Uh, Might have been somebody like uh, Pema Chodron. Um, but it was, we all have everything that we need inside of us. 
And all you have to do is look inside because the answer is there. And what's so interesting is that so much of our world looks to externals for everything. Self-worth, value. Do, do, I, do I have the right to take up space and breathe air in this room? Am I worthy? I don't, I don't think the car that I drive or the house that I live in makes me worthy. I, I don't think I belong here. That's so sad. Yeah, it is. I'm glad you brought that up. I, we, we may need to make this a two-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> now my team's going to be like, don't take these over an hour. Um, that is so sad. And at the same time, what I think about is so many people in their 40s who I know who are in the stalest relationships that they could be. And it's, and it's, I, I wonder in your, in your opinion, like I'm thinking about one couple in, in specific, and I'm not going to say anything more. I'm going to give a couple examples. There's, there's kids involved and they're a little bit older and there's no communication beyond the kids. There's no communication beyond the weekend activities, the one vacation a year, and the and the and the ingredient list for the barbecue on Saturday. That's it. That's it. How mm. does that how does that relationship survive post children? And I and I want to talk about this aspect with you where where a relationship goes up and starts falling down, kid comes in, climbs back up because it's really artificially inflated based on a child being there. And then all right. of a sudden you go 20 years later, the kids are out of the house and you're like, Oh my God, we have nothing in common. We don't even know each other. And, and then what happens at that point, in your opinion, how many of those people have the courage to actually get divorced versus just say, you know what? Kind of like you were saying, I don't think my life even matters. I'm just going to ride this shit out. Cause at least I got someone to keep me company and, and maybe make a couple mm -hmm. dinners a week. Is that what you're seeing? Or do, do a lot of older people get divorced? So it's, it's that, oh, I love that. So it really runs the gamut. Um, I can tell you that uh, in, in, in my industry today, older people getting divorced is a thing, for lack of a better word. It, it, older, it has how, a label. How long are you talking? Great divorce. How, how, how old are you talking when you say older? Um, 60, 65, 70. Oh, wow. Uh, all the way up, all the way up to uh, 95. Who gets divorced at 95? At that point, just throw in the towel. Like, <laughs> it, Yeah, it really makes you wonder, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. what, what, why? Why could it be so important? Maybe, uh, strategic. But, Maybe it's strategic for like estate planning or something. Yeah, yeah. In, in some cases, it, it could be. Um, so I can, I can tell you that um, it, it, it really... I don't want to say it's, well, it is, it's unique for each individual, you know, the, the, the reasons for getting divorced. And, and I can tell you that, that many people I talk with who have children, some will say, well, I thought that having kids would make things better again, right? Looking to externals, right. bringing something else into the relationship that's going to fix it. Or I thought that uh, when he became a father, that uh, he would stop acting like a child. <laughs> okay, okay, that's a, that's an interesting one. Um, 
and and the whole the, the idea of getting together the honeymoon period and then they kind of the couple settles into their communication patterns i call it the dance the marital dance they each have their their dance routines things get comfortable and maybe uncomfortable and painful but not uncomfortable enough to make a drastic change like a divorce Right. So they, they continue to exist in this pattern. Everything is okay. And then a child comes along. And like you were saying, oh, this is new. This is different. One or both of them are thinking, oh, maybe this will make things better. Yeah. So now they each have something to focus on that's not each other. Right? And so so all of their efforts, all of their priorities go into that child or children. Like you said, what are the weekend activities? Well, what's the homework we have to take care of tonight? What uh, what activities are happening after school? Who's going to take, you know, Billy to soccer practice? Well, who's going to take Sally to horseback riding? And we need to coordinate all these things. So it's a great distraction. Right. It's a great distraction from the problems, the conflicts that they're having together. And it can be a distraction for 14 years, 15, 18 years, 25, 30 years, depending upon the the, the children and the family situation. It could be a why, great distraction. Why is that? Is it just because it's convenient, more convenient than a divorce? So when I think about OK, so when I think about distractions. We all have distractions for a wide variety of reasons. For example, um, an older person, let's say um, in 75, who got married when she was 20. Yeah. And her husband died uh, five years ago. Well, what does this person know about herself, her whole life? pretty much has been with this other person who's no longer here. And for some people like that, it can be too painful to, to think about who am I? What's my purpose now? Who am I without this, without my spouse? Can I still make a difference in the, in, in the world? What's my value? Those are some really, really hard things to think about that a lot of people just find it too incredibly painful to, to, to address. And so they find a distraction, Facebook, um, games, um, movies, I don't know, yeah. golf, you know, whatever, anything. literally anything, anything. Yeah. anything. Right. And so, so why, why do people, um, you know, we'll go back to the kids situation and focusing on kids. They know the marriage is not doing well. They know that they have conflict. So why don't, why don't they have the guts, if you will, um, to, to explore divorce? What I hear from a lot of people is we don't want to do that to the kids. We don't want to disrupt it for the kids. And when I'm working with somebody like that, I will give them some empathy um, I will acknowledge their perspective and their feelings, and I will ask them questions that maybe will help them ponder, are they, are they in fear of something? Are they trying to control something that they don't have control over? Is there something that they could do proactively to, to, to help the situation? What is it? 
And, you know, some, some people are willing to have that conversation with me as their lawyer and other people aren't. Um, and I'll, I'll suggest a therapist and, and some people will go see a therapist and some won't. Um, yeah. So, so, so why do people stay in relationships uh, instead of uh, going, going through a divorce? Um, it also comes down to uh, fear of the unknown. Sure. Well, I, I've never been through a divorce before. My, my parents stayed together for their entire lives. I know very few people, <coughs> excuse me, uh, who got divorced. Um, the the one the one guy I know at work, oh, his was terrible. Yeah. They must all be terrible, and so they <laughs> they just avoid it out of fear. Sure. I mean, is there a, is there like are you talking about like when you talk about um, you know, the lady who's seventy five and has been married since she was twenty? I think one of the things, and and I've talked about this with my wife Meredith is. When, when, before she, before she had our first child in 2000, at the end of 2015, we had a conversation one night about identity and how for a a lot of women out there, I think, I think maybe more than men, there is this, this old world thinking in terms of identity, where it's, you're somebody's daughter, you're someone's sister, you're someone's niece, you're somebody's classmate, you're somebody's girlfriend, you're someone's wife, you're someone's mother. And then all of a sudden, 50 years go by and you're like, holy shit, I don't know who I am, right? That's what you're saying. And I want to just point out, it's 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 more than just the wife thing, because I guarantee you that 20-year-old girl that got married, you know, let's say in the 40s or 50s, she wasn't dating around a lot because that wasn't a, that wasn't applicable at that point or socially acceptable. And so she's had one partner her whole life. And is that more fear-based? Is that, is that society-based? Or is that a combination of wanting to please mom and dad? And, and like, why do people do that type of codependency? And why don't people have the courage to, to do something for themselves? Why do they not feel like they matter enough to actually live a life on their own. I mean, I'm telling you out of all the married people I know that are like close that I know, like intimate details about their relationship, not intimate, you know what I mean? Deeper details. They're miserable. They're absolutely miserable, absolutely miserable. And why is that? So I think a lot of it has to do with uh, self-esteem and um, self-awareness and, you know, a sense of, um, uh, self-worth. I think that today, maybe, maybe more so than prior to the, the internet or the information age, maybe it was better. I don't know. I, I'm not a sociologist. I haven't studied those things. It's just my, my sense. Um, many people are too focused and it goes back to what we talked about earlier, focused on externals. So, yeah. um, I want to feel like I fit in, a group. And so I want to um, kind of mold myself into this group. I, I want to wear what they're wearing. I want to, I want to drive what they're driving. I want to talk about the things that, that they're, that they're talking about. Um, you know, I want to have kids that go to similar schools. I want, I want birthday parties for my kids to be on the level as their birthday parties. And so they, they get in this, this, uh, rut, if you will, or this habit of just doing things to try and fit in as opposed to doing things that fulfills them as an individual. 
things that feel right, things that that are done on purpose for a reason. And so I think that I think that has a lot to do with it. We just don't. We, I don't want to say we have a whole society or a world full of people that are are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You said it. So I'll agree. (laughs) I'll agree. We just don't have enough people who are self-aware with um, a good sense of Mm self-value who are strong without all of the externals. Like if all, if all their friends went away, if all their, if all their groups went away, their country clubs went away, their golf group went away, you know, whatever it happens to be, if all those things went away, could you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I know exactly who I am without these people? 95% of America, my 95% of the world could not. Right. I think no. that's a big problem. And I think yeah, it's I mean, a, it's, it's a big reason why we're seeing what we see today. I mean, isn't that, isn't that the, the, the advertisers of the world teaching you? I mean, and, and by the way, aren't we taught that from our early childhood to compare ourselves to others? And to not have an identity, I mean, how many people in this world? Like you're, you, you hit it right on the head. There, there are people are doing things to fit in, and and what we do, like it meant on purpose. What we do is we break you out of that. We eliminate that that thought process, that mindset, that conditioning that has you in that trajectory. Because most of these men are popping out and saying, "I'm now in resistance between who I am now and who I truly want to be." My job, my money, my relationship status, my, you know, childhood, you know, my children, the school they go to, the car I drive, all these things make me up. Yet without all those things, one, I think some people are terrified to lose those things because they would be gone. And the other is they just, they don't want to do the work or they want to do the work and they're just stuck now because they've been married for so long and their kids are this and they have these two mortgages and a beach house and this Range Rover or whatever it might be. That is the majority of the world, which is absolutely crazy. And and I think that advertisers know that. And why would you want to be the person that's out of the mix? Why would you want to be the person that's like the outcast? That's a That's a natural human fear to not be outcast, right? It is. It absolutely yeah. is. It, it, it's a natural desire to want to fit in. And, and I think it's, it's it, until you do, until a person does something that's in alignment with who they are as they understand themselves, that's different from their group, until they do that and they see what happens, they will continue day to day living in fear of what might happen. Yeah. Right. So for example, um, if you've never been through a bankruptcy, you're probably going to fear bankruptcy. Oh my God, I, I can't, I can't go through a bankruptcy, but if you've been through it before, you know what to expect. You know that you can be resilient. You know that you can build a life after bankruptcy. You know, if you've never gone through a divorce before, how do you know that you can survive? Whereas the person who's, who's gone through that kind of adversity knows full well they can survive. Or yeah. the loss of a, a loss of a parent, a loved one or a spouse. If that's never happened to somebody, they never know. And so that fear can be paralyzing. But for those people who have, have experienced that kind of adversity, they've learned 
I, I, I got this. I can handle this. I can make it through. You know, the sky is not falling and I'm going to be okay. Does it suck? Yeah, absolutely. It sucks, but I'm going to be okay. Yeah. But that's also the mindset shift from it happened to me to it happened for me, you know, which is literally, it's that simple. You could just, and people always ask me how long I want to take your courses or I want to join your mastermind. How long does it take? And I go, it happens in a moment. It happens in a moment. I was always taught transformation happens in a moment. And it's just Mm. what you choose to do every moment going forward is, are you going to cycle back to your old program? Are you going to actually change and and use the new one that serves you best? I I have so many questions for you. I could talk, I could talk to you about this. I wish you were still in Malibu. We could go have some dinner. (laughs) That'd be great. I want to, uh, I, I want to ask you this question about victimhood and how, like, I think more women than men, I'm just speculating and don't write me hate mail about this. I'm just speculating <laughs> that more women than men find themselves in a victim or victimhood position and they get blasted, you know, with this, this whirlwind marriage where the guy's all over the place and there's no like communication, there's no together, whatever. And then all of a sudden there's a divorce because the guy moved on with another girl and this person is left holding the bag and, and just traumatized and blasted by this thing. How does someone like that, I mean, I'm sure you work with people like that. How does somebody like that pick themselves back up and realize that they're valuable to society and that they should get back and do something with their life at that point? How does someone make that turn from so low of a point? So some people can uh, do it themselves and other people need support and help from other people. Um, I'm a firm believer in uh, therapists and coaches. Um, I think that um, uh, a lot of my clients who have done well through a divorce have had a, a very robust support system, family, friends, um, but for, for those for those people, whether they can do it themselves or they need help, it really is that 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 mind shift that we talked about earlier. You know, victim somebody's victimhood or perception that they're a victim or identity as a victim is self-created. Yeah. That's a label they have put on themselves. And they have the power to change that label and give themselves a different label. And it's, it's more about what you said earlier, you know, it, instead of looking at, at it as stuff happened to me, right? You're looking at it as, as in, a different, in a different way. And so I think that people get to that place for all the, all the, all the reasons that we've talked about so far. Adverse childhood experiences, trauma, um, previous bad relationships, a lack of self-worth, uh, a lack of you know seeing seeing some their own value and how they can how they contribute to their community, how they contribute to their family. They just don't see it, and so they're at this very low place. They don't have any strength, inner strength at all. And so everything that happens to them is it happens to me because, you know, oh, the, the best one I've heard is I've got a black cloud that follows me wherever I go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And wow. you're creating your own weather. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's such a cool <laughs> line. You're creating your own weather. What, what about how does someone know when to leave? How does someone know when divorce is just even though you might be scared or even though you might not have the courage to do it? How do you know that it's the right thing to do? And, and by the way, a little bit earlier, we were talking about people when they kind of get into these situations and they dig in, they lock their position and they they're stuck in that. Right. Instead of seeking curiosity about what the other person is thinking. And a lot of the times when I coach people who are married or in, or business partners who are having a disagreement, I'll say, guys, we need to throw out right and wrong because right and wrong is only going to make the other right or wrong. You're trying right. to be right. He's trying to be right or she's trying to be right. That leaves the other person wrong. That's that's not how this is going to work. So right. how do you know that divorce is the best serving choice? Maybe not right or wrong. It's how do you know that that's the most serving choice? Okay. So it's different for everybody. I would say in situations, and I'll take the easy one first, in situations where somebody is being harmed, harmed emotionally or harmed physically, <clears throat> I would say that <clears throat> one's safety is most important. Okay. And <clears throat> if divorce if divorce is the answer, if, if that's the solution that's going to provide the physical safety or emotional safety that somebody needs, then it's the right answer. The less easy situation is when um, one spouse or, or both spouses just, just aren't happy. Um, they're not getting what they need. They feel like it's going nowhere. We're just, uh, what's the one I've heard a lot? Um, we're just ships passing in the night. Yeah. Um, we we're, we're more like roommates than 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 lovers. Um, so when is it right for them? I would say that, and again, it's going to depend. Um, but I would say for for financially secure or stable spouses as individuals. So we'll take a, a two working household. Both both parents have careers. They can leave, each one of them can leave the marriage and be financially okay. Yep. Not as outstanding as maybe they were together living in one household, sure. but they'll be financially okay. For that type of person, it's less about the financials and it's more about, well, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want your marriage to look like? And are there parts of your marriage that look like that now and other parts that don't, or is it just completely on another planet? It doesn't look anything like what you want. And then what do you think you can do to help make that better? Have you tried everything? You know, I use everything, but I don't mean everything. Have you sure. tried, have you made reasonable attempts to try and make things better? Inviting your spouse to have a difficult conversation with you and sit down and say, I'm sure or it seems like we're having difficulty between us. And I'd really like to learn more about how you see our marriage and our relationship and the difficulty that we're having, because I really want to understand where you're coming from. I don't want to make any erroneous assumptions about mm -hmm. your thinking or your intent. I really want to learn how you see this. Are you willing to sit down with me and have that conversation and is now a good time? That's you know, a great it, it, way to approach it. 
AJ, you know that takes major skill, and the average person cannot do that. I'm well, 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 no, I know. You back up. They can do that. They won't do that. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. It's you know, and I think you're totally right. If you if you could 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 gather the skill as a as a person who's maybe never spoken up for themselves, watch YouTube videos, listen to this podcast, go to the Mental Purpose Community and download the free resources, whatever. You can yeah. figure out how to do this, and then you'd actually start to know. I mean, when when I was facing a potential ending of our marriage back in 2016, it was, the, the, the person I went and talked to said, have you done everything? And I said, no. And they said, then that's going to be the biggest regret of your life, that you didn't do mm. everything possible. And so it's interesting that in that concept, I, at that point, was not the person that could speak intelligently, calmly. Uh, educated uh, to another person about my feelings. I wasn't able to do that at that point because as a, as a kid, I just never understood my feelings and they always made me scared because nobody else told me about my feelings either. So l- let's think about what the trajectory of all those, all those pieces are that add up to not being able to do something. So I totally agree with you. Should you sit down with someone and say, Hey, listen, you know, things I'm, I'm feeling a certain way and and have this beautiful conversation, yes. And how how realistic is it that people actually have that? Because they don't have the skills. So I think it. So so I think it's very realistic once they have um, an idea that that this type of approach exists, mm-hmm. and it it gives them something to try. But you're absolutely right. Most people don't know this technique or this approach to having a, a difficult conversation with somebody. And, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in that early childhood education. We can teach young people how to do this. We don't have to keep them in the dark. We don't have to, you know, there, there's, no, there's no marriage handbook. You know, there's lots of books about marriage, but there's no real handbook. Um, you know, you have to do your own digging, your own research to figure out, you know, how to communicate better. There's, there's, there aren't a lot of people in, especially in school saying, you know, this, this, we're going to teach you about communication, you know, for, for those people in, in college and communication is their major perhaps, but you know, the accounting, the, uh, the business major, probably no. not. No. Uh, or the, or the, the, the art major, probably not. And so I, that's why I love podcasts like yours because it gives people education. It gives people ideas. It gives them information that they're not likely to get from any other source. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of the things that, that, that I appreciate about your podcast in particular is that from my perspective, as guys, we don't sit around and talk about this stuff like like women typically do. They'll get together and they'll they'll pour their hearts out to their friends and they'll talk yeah. about things like this and oh you're struggling with that, I'm struggling that with that too. But in my experience as as guys, if we get together, it's usually over a sporting event or going golfing or going fishing and we're not really digging deep into these life issues. Yeah. Well, that's why we exist. Yeah. That's why we exist. Yeah. So being being on purpose as a man is being well-rounded and not um, and not just thinking that this is your job, this is your identity, this is how you've been stuck as a man, and this you know that you have to do these things. 
it's just a very, it's very interesting concept. I have one more question for you because we're getting late. I have one okay. more question for you. And I'm, and I'm actually, I have like 10 more questions. I'm just trying to think of which one <laughs> I want to. So there is a, I think we can do these quick. I'm going to, I'm going to ask the two. One is standards for a mate. So I have some friends that they are so picky that they're now in their forties. They've, they've, they've either been married and divorced or they've, and they chose just a not, not great mate in the first round, or they've never been married, really had just kind of on and off sporadic relationships. Their standards are so high in who they're trying to attract that the years just keep going by. Do you have experience with that? Yes. So one exercise I, I like to work with uh, people like that, um, clients of mine, because um, occasionally we, we do have conversations about, you know, how do, how do I how do I pick a better mate? I'll do what I call the why exercise. So somebody says, you know, I, I really I, I, um, I, I need a woman who's blonde. Well, why? Well, because I'm really attracted to women with blonde hair. Why? I don't know, because um, I don't know. I like lighter colors better than darker colors. Why? Um, I don't know, because lighter colors remind me of the sun, you know? And so you yeah. keep asking these why questions to really get to that that kernel of why is this standard important to you? Is it just a surface standard? You know, are you, are you do you just want to impress your friends? Do you just want to elevate your sense of self-worth with yeah. these standards or is it truly important to you and and if it is <clears throat> do you know specifically why it's important to you because if you can't answer that question then your standard needs to go out the window totally and and what, and what we're talking about again is that filling that void are you trying to find someone that fills the void that you're missing inside or lacking or are you trying to find a a, a mate that will help you elevate and you'll help them elevate. You know, that's that's right. a that's a big thing. Okay, last question. I believe there's a difference between a marriage and a partnership. I believe a partnership is is the is the is what makes a marriage. It's like the the internal to the marriage being the external, right? The marriage is a result of a good partnership. Um, and the marriage doesn't have to be great for a partnership to be great. So I just want to get your opinion on that because I just keep thinking about that. I have a, I have a great partnership and I have a marriage that's pretty great, right? But the partnership is amazing. And the thing, the reason why I think about that is because when people get divorced, like I have some friends here in LA who are, who do this, um, conscious decoupling, I think I forget. What oh it's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. And they're like amazing. They're going, they're divorced and they're going on vacations together and they're, and they're sleeping over each other's houses and they're like, and it's really great for the kids, but that's because their partnership is amazing and the marriage just didn't work. And if your marriage doesn't work, you still have to be great partners for your children, don't you? I mean, and that's why I think there's a difference between marriage and partnership. Yeah. So I would agree with you. There is a difference and there's a lot of different ways to look at it. So um, from from my my lawyer perspective, I would say um, marriage is a is a status that's given to you by the state. Mm. A partnership is something that there's there's no contract. There's no status conferred to you by the state. It's it's a a working um, 
interconnection between two people that works for a variety of reasons. And it makes me think of, of some clients I've had that have said, you know what, we're really good friends or we're really good partners, but we just can't be married to each other. You know, and, and when I've heard that, I, I've, I've thought, gosh, what does that, what does that really mean? So to me, marriage, other than the fact that it's, it's status, um, it's, it's, it's everything that encompasses a partnership and beyond. So for example, you can have a partnership that has no intimacy at all, right? But a good marriage has intimacy. Can a good marriage exist without two good partners? I don't believe so. No. Um, my, my wife, I have, I have a wonderful, wonderful marriage. And my wife has talked over the years about two people in a boat or a canoe paddling together. If you've got one person outside of the canoe and one person in the canoe and that person in the canoe is doing all the paddling, right? All the work on the marriage, all the work on the relationship, it's not going to work because that other person isn't in the boat. Right. So the two people in the boat, that's a great partnership. God, man, I have so many more questions for you. We didn't talk about sex and relationships. <laughs> we didn't talk about people that are one foot in, one foot out. Can you come back on? I'd love to. Absolutely. Okay, let's, let's do that. Maybe, you know, so uh, one of the things that we do inside the mental purpose community uh, on Facebook is we have a, every week we have one of our purpose pillars. So it's self, spouse, kids, career, community, five weeks. And I think maybe next spouse week, maybe we have you come in and, t and just do a roundtable discussion inside the community. It's like 900 and some members in there. Do a roundtable discussion about it. I'd love to. Yeah. I'm going to email you. I'm going to email you. This has been great. A really, 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 really fun conversation. And, and uh, I love the banter. love the dynamics. So thanks for being here. Oh my gosh, it, it was a real blessing to get to spend time with you today and talk to talk about some really really interesting topics. Loved it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's it's um yeah, I I absolutely love when when the then the conversation just flow like this. I mean, look at my like I'm taking notes after <laughs> notes and writing questions down I want to ask you and so yes, thank you so much. Um and, and audience, AJ is going to be back on. So if I missed a question that you wanted, send me an email, mentalonpurposepodcast at gmail.com. Um, AJ, anything you want to promote? Anything anywhere where people can find you? Yeah, so the best way to find me is at my website. It's www.leapfrogdivorce.com. My phone number is there. Contact form and contact information is there. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. AJ, thanks again for being here, man. We'll catch you on the next one. And audience, uh, we'll catch you on the next one too. See ya.